From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And today we are talking about the Democrats' three best ideas as we head into the 2020 election. And, um, Rick, it's only fair to do this because just a few months ago we did a podcast talking about the Democrats' three worst ideas. So we thought we have to do the three best. And just in case you didn't catch that other one or you need a primer, we want to recap. The worst ideas that we went through were Medicare for all, a fracking ban, which was part of the Green Deal, and amnesty at the border. Now, two out of the three best ideas for the Democrats are closely related right. to two of the worst ideas. Let's break it down and start with Medicare for all. Bad idea we said initially. You right. say Medicare for more, which it seems like they've adopted now, the Democrats, is a better idea. Right. So uh, to break down who stands for what just a little bit. So Bernie Sanders originated the Medicare Medicare for all idea, and he wrote the damn bill, as he reminds <laughs> as he us. Tells there us is legislation time time in Congress uh, to do that. Uh, this would this is the plan that would eliminate private insurance, and everybody would enroll in a government plan similar to Medicare. So that's way too disruptive, way too expensive. Uh, so Elizabeth Warren signed up to that, and some other Democrats, but uh, the moderate Democrats, uh, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar. Uh, to just list three who are sort of still in the top tier, uh, they don't support Medicare for all. They su- they support uh, a Medicare for some or Medicare for more idea, which they also call a public option. People hear public option, they probably think like I, I public scared. option for I what? Scared. What does that mean? So we're talking about health care. <laughs> I also think um, subpar health care when I think public option, Rick. Yeah, it sounds like public housing. Right. Right. Um, so uh, we something needs to be done on health care. I mean, I'm, I, I uh, just really want to bang my head on the table sometimes with the problems we have in health care that nobody is fixing. Do. I mean, <laughs> you're not alone. So uh, let's just go over the, what the problems are. I mean, most people who ever have to see a doctor know what the problems are. First of all, if you ha- have health insurance, um, it's too it's too costs are too expensive. Um, and they have been going up the out of pocket costs, what you're paying for premiums, for deductibles, uh, for co-pays, for out of network care and stuff like that. Um, it's going up way faster than incomes. It has been for a long time. And uh, the Affordable Care Act is misnamed. It should not be called the Affordable Care Act. It should be called the More People Covered Act because it really has not. The Unaffordable really, Care Act. It really has not. It, it didn't. It didn't. For most people, it didn't make health care more expensive. It just didn't address cost much. Um, it did in a few ways, but it's not uh, helping most people. Um, so we need to find ways to get costs down. And then, uh, you know, we do we talk about people. Well, politicians talk about universal health care, which doesn't mean you have everybody in a government program. It just means that everybody has coverage somehow. We're not that far away from universal coverage. So, you know, we people get – there are a lot of government programs. There's Medicare for uh, seniors, Medicaid, um, some other programs at the VA and things like that. And then we have private insurance and that covers about 90 percent of all Americans. So it, to get the other 10 percent covered – uh, you don't have to tear down the system and build something new to get ten to get just get those other ten percent covered, and you probably would never get to one hundred percent no matter what. Um, even if we had compulsory uh, insurance uh, provided by the government, the, you enrolled the moment but isn't you're born, that what there Trump were people and the Trump administration tried to do in rolling back the Affordable Care Act. I have no. I mean, I know what they're trying to do. What they're the the Republicans are just totally bankrupt on health care. Uh, they got nothing. On healthcare, 
And it, remarkably, the Trump administration is still a party to a lawsuit that is trying to completely kill the Affordable Care Act, everything about it. Um, so You say there are things in there, though, that, sh- that should and could be saved. That they shouldn't be abolished, the Affordable Care Act. Well, I think the whole program should be saved. Um, and I don't – at this point, so – Including the mandate that everyone be insured? That's gone. I mean, that's basically right. gone. But that, that was part of the original architecture of the, of yeah. the, uh, of the bill. What do, you, do you think that that should remain or come Well, back? it's gone. It's gone. And the reason it's gone, I mean, there are two parts to it. Um, the first part was uh, the individual mandate requiring that you have insurance. So that is technically still part of the law. But um, Congress, as part of the 2017 tax cut law, eliminated the penalty for not having coverage. So, Which in essence eliminates so it. The, right. As the law stands, and this is part of what is being challenged in court, as the law stands, everybody is required to have insurance, but there's no penalty if you don't. So, right. so where's the so incentive effectively, to insurance? Effectively, sure there, is, there is no requirement. Um, so this court case is complicated, um, but what the Trump administration and these Republican um, states they're trying to kill, they're basically trying to say that uh, because Congress – made that one change where they eliminated the penalty in 2017, that invalidates the entire law. All of the Affordable Care Act should, mm-hmm. be, uh, should be declared unconstitutional because Congress changed one small part of it. Um, so if that, if that actually happened, if courts actually decided that, uh, about 18 million people are getting insurance today through the Affordable Care Act who would not otherwise have insurance. So you would eliminate insurance for those 18 million people. And then parts of the law that most pe- most Americans like would go away. The biggest one of those is the law – is the uh, new law that says insurance companies cannot charge people with preexisting conditions more That's or deny them service. Mm-hmm. 60 million Americans have preexisting conditions. So – all of those people, um, in theory, or the ones at least getting uh, who are not in Medicare or Medicaid, would go. We'd go back to like the medieval uh, days when an insurance company could say, "Oh, you had breast cancer five years ago. We're not going to give you insurance." And nobody I mean, wants to the, go back to those days. It's the days. opposite of what our healthcare system should be. Right. So these these are giant problems. They affect. I mean, they don't literally affect every American, but they're so widespread that everybody knows the problem. And uh, we all practically know somebody who has had had to deal with these problems, that you have coverage, but uh, it doesn't kick in, in until you've paid a $5,000 deductible, mm-hmm. who has, you know, not everybody has $5,000 sitting around for, the, you know, all of a sudden you're in a car accident or whatever happens. Um, a test goes wrong, you know. So, you you know, once you're in the system, I mean, you get to $5,000 in a heartbeat. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, it's like one a test. stay in the hospital. One test. Oh, my God. One, st- one night in the hospital is 5000 right there. Absolutely. Uh, surprise billing and stuff like this. So, anyway, this pisses me off, by the way. I mean, the thing <laughs> I that, couldn't tell, The right? thing that pisses me off the most is it's not like nobody can figure out how to solve these problems. It, the problems are not so difficult that we that smart people can't figure out what to do about them. There are all kinds of bills in Congress to address these problems. Think tanks, uh, healthcare experts, doctors, administrators, there are all kinds of solutions. Congress just won't do anything. Why? And on this Why? one, on this one, I, I lay this at the feet of the Republicans. Uh, they have just uh, they are the they are like the dog that caught the car uh, when they finally took back control of uh, both houses of Congress and, and had a Republican president. All they wanted to do was kill the Affordable Care Act. Um, they were railing against the Affordable Care Act because they could basically just use it to tarnish Obama. Every mm-hmm. every little problem in the healthcare system suddenly became the fault of Obamacare, 
And that was just pure politics. Well, because it was, was the cornerstone of his of his presidency. Right. It's probably uh, – it's arguably – I mean it has – it's the one law so that sort of has target. his name on it. Right. I mean he did other uh, things uh, like the stimulus uh, bill that passed in 2009. But yeah, I mean uh, Obama himself would probably say this is the, the biggest – probably the biggest uh, legacy of my presidency. And that's just not at Republicans and they're, they are still – they're not saying, "Oh, let's, what are we going to? Well, here's our plan for the twenty, uh, the thirty million Americans who still don't have health insurance." Um, they're still saying, "Oh, let's just figure out how right. we can the plan kill the is affordable just get rid of affordable, the affordable I mean, care act." I mean, to be fair to Trump, I mean, he is trying to do a few relatively small things uh, with, on the with margins. With big pharma, right, and pricing, he's got a, drug right, pricing. He, so he's got a the inter, international price pricing index. He's trying to pass, which in theory would lower. Maybe lower prescription drug costs a little bit. Um, he's, he's looking for tra- more transparency in the industry. I think we can all appreciate that. Um, I guess, but um, this, but the thing with uh, the drug companies having to uh, uh, advertise their their list, list prices price. on TV, right. That got struck down in the courts. I mean, and the, I mean, he also is going to he wants to let states import drugs from Canada. Uh, but I don't think that's going to do much because, by the way, Canada doesn't want us taking all their drugs. I mean, Canada <laughs> doesn't have like a bunch of drugs le- sitting around that Canadians are not using. And by the way, um, Canada's drug costs are lower because they impose price controls. So, right. so Trump's that little tr- thing. So, I mean, this is just how, how nonsensical this is. So the idea with importing uh, drugs from other countries is other countries have lower price drugs because they have price controls. So... Trump is saying, and the people who favor this are saying, instead of imposing our own price controls in our own market, right. let's We're... go abroad and buy prescription drugs from other countries that impose price controls. But do you think the other countries are going to be fine with that? Yeah. I mean, the U.S. market for drugs is multiples of the size of the Canadian market. And if this, uh, if, if there was one person in Canada who couldn't get a drug when they needed it because it had instead gone to America. I mean, I think, what would you do? What would any country do? They'd be like, the forget that. Right. So so coming back to our essential point here, Medicare for more or for some, yeah. which it seems like even Warren has backtracked her hard stance on Medicare for all, wanting Medicare for all. You're saying that that was a good move by the Democrats and probably one that helped them survive – some of these candidates survive this far. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the uh, public option plan. So Joe Biden from the start and you hear him in the debate says uh, Medicare for all is way too expensive and why do we need to break, break – uh, eliminate the private insurance system that's already in place? I mean it – uh, people don't like insurance companies that much, but this system does work for a lot of people. I mean, it's pretty good for a lot of people who are in it. Um, so what Biden would do, and it's the same with uh, Pete Buttigieg. I, I couldn't. There are no good Pete Buttigieg dolls. Just so, just so our oh, audience really? knows. Sad. So there is one Buttigieg doll on the internet, and it just is terrible. It's a stuffed doll, and it like it's got this big round head, but and it doesn't look like him. Whatever company made these did not no, make a Buttigieg. Not okay. yet, but maybe they will. They, maybe they also, will. Also, there's please. no Amy Klobuchar doll. Um, but there is a Kamala Harris doll, and she's not here because she dropped out. <laughs> okay. So let's, t- let's just talk about the Biden plan. I mean, we don't need to go into all the details of it, but uh, Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar in general would set up a, a new uh, program, which could be administered by Medicare. Um, and why not? I mean, you've already got the overhead there for Medicare. So it would, it would run like Medicare. Um, and uh, in most cases, you could buy your way in. So it's not free. Like so, Bernie and Warren say Medicare for all should be free, and mm-hmm. we're going to have a giant tax increase in order to pay for it. 
uh, Medicare for more is not free. Um, they, there can be subsidies for people below a certain income threshold. But uh, for people who can afford it, which, you know, I don't know what to pick your cutoff, $100,000 or 50, family, family income of $50,000, you pay something. Mm -hmm. So you've got some skin in the game and you're basically just buying insurance from the government and the government can offer insurance cheaper because there, there is no profit margin. And if it, it's big enough and if you combine it with Medicare, you've got scale that no insurance well, they company have the has. purchasing power for sure. Yeah. So um, I think it makes great sense. Um, you know, so the, that addresses the 30 million people who um, don't have insurance right now. But it would also be a lifeline for this one small group of people I want to keep drawing attention to because they're getting screwed the worst. And it's people who uh, are, let's say, in their 50s, let's say between the age of 50 and 65. At 65, you qualify for Medicare. But between 50 and 65, if you do not get in insurance through an employer and you have to buy it in the, uh, in the private market – I mean, the you get I've ranted killed. about this before. The premiums are unbelievable. Yes. I mean, 30000 for a, a couple, for two people. So, and that's about- At a point in your life when you actually need the doctor probably more often yeah. than you ever have. Right. I mean, even if you're healthy, I mean, you know, cancer risks go up, uh, heart attack, stroke risk, whatever. Um, and it's like, so these people actually pay, They, I mean, a lot of people actually pay that because they can't, they're not they willing, smartly, not willing to go with that. So anyway- um, people, this, and this is maybe two million people who are stuck in this situation. With, again, uh, you, independent contractors. You know, so your work, you could even make a lot of money. You just don't get uh, insurance through a, through a big employer, so you have no scale working for you. So these people could buy into uh, Medicare for more and get reasonable coverage because you know Medicare. The pool is so large that Medicare can um, socialize the costs. I mean, you're in a huge pool, so they can afford to bring the cost down. Uh, just of premiums um, and have some insurance. So that's people who are insured right now, but you'd be helping them out a lot. And there, this is this, by the way, would not be easy to do. Um, it, it would first of all, it, for sure, it would take Democratic uh, majorities in both houses of Congress, as along with a Democratic president, because Republicans, I, I guess, Republicans are just opposed to health care. I mean, they, they, or it, it really just all is all, all about partisanship, the, and the they just don't thing, want the Democrats to win when it comes I guess to health care. The only thing um, Republicans ever talk about is um, health savings accounts, which is. Uh, kind of just create a tax incentive to help people um, have more money uh, available for health care. So it's a little bit more affordable, but that's not addressing the giant cost problem or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So even the public option, which uh, I mean, when you compare it from, to Medicare for all, a public option sounds small and reasonable, but even getting that passed would be very, very difficult. And uh, there, it, it could destabilize the market in some way. So one thing that could happen is if you had a public option, you'd have to decide if you um, already get insurance through a through an employer, um, would you be allowed to choose the public option instead? And I think to make this work, you might have to say no. You might mm. have to say no. This is not – if you are getting insurance through an employer, um, you, you got to stick with that and the employers need to continue to offer that coverage because if you didn't – um, so then employers... The whole thing that, gets thrown out of balance. Yeah, Maybe that, the that, purchasing power of the employer goes away. You start to erode it. Yeah, so, so a couple leave. of things could happen. So if you have people's, a few people at, a, at a, any company might say, 
I like the public option better. I'm going to go over there. Well, that actually shrinks the pool of people covered uh, by the employer. And you need big pools to make insurance work because that's how you spread the cost out out among more people. And that's what makes it work. So if you get people leaving insurance offered by employers, that insurance could get more expensive. And you could also have another thing that happens, which is employers might just cut back on their own coverage, Mm. cut their own costs and just tell their workers, well, our, okay, our insurance sucks, but you can just go to the government. Just get it from the government. And if that happens, then you start to have this sort of um, sinkage problem in the private market. So, right. you know, beware unintended consequences. But the, the economic um, problems, just the economic problems with the system we have now, I mean, think about what they are. Think about all the people who don't try to start a business because they, they have to have health care through an employer. Um, so it's it, – um, it depresses uh, the system we have today. Depresses entrepreneurship. Uh, we all, you and I, both know people who are in the wrong job—a job that's not suited to them—because they need the benefits. Yep. How many people do we know it's who say, for the benefits. "I would do something else, right. except I need the benefits"? Or families are always making this trade-off. One of them has, to, you know, one has to stay in the workforce. One spouse to the has to have a job with benefits. Right. So um, this, this just—I mean, the rest of the world is out running us on this. And mm-hmm. our, our costs are also double what they are in Europe, for example, you know. So um, I think Biden gets it right and Buttigieg too. We don't need um, to tear down the whole system mm-hmm. and spend trillions of dollars to address, you know, to make practical, improved, pragmatic improvements to the healthcare system. Um, so right. this public option is how you get there. I want to get to our other uh, great democratic idea here in 2020 election. And we, we, we just covered Medicare for more. Now let's move over to Sorry, uh-oh, Jeff. Biden fell down. Um, <laughs> to climate change. Of all the people to fall I know, down, I mean, you know, why does on. it have to be Biden? Try to get him steady there. Yeah. Um, you say a carbon tax yes. is one of the Democrats' three best ideas. Really? Make the argument for me. Mark. Okay. So uh, we know about the Green New Deal, or maybe we've heard about the Green New Deal, uh-huh. but don't know about it. This is a just a, a sweeping government program that would be like it would be gi- just ginormous. Uh, the government gets deeply involved in electricity, uh, the ele- electrical market. Bernie Sanders wants uh, the U.S. government to basically take over the uh, electrical grid and operate the grid. Um, mm. So we have these sort of you know public utilities that mostly do that. Now he just wants the U.S. government to do it. Um, the, you know, for the whole problem with these giant government programs, they're hugely expensive. This is not where America is. America does not want giant government agencies addressing every problem. That's just the way it is. I mean, we have a center-right electorate, um, like it or not. That's what people want. And um, government— Sounds awfully socialist to me. Uh, what, Green New Deal? Yeah, if, if the government is, is. not going to be that involved. So what a carbon tax would do— um, and the economists like Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen and Nobel laureates uh, earlier this year signed a letter saying we need a carbon tax. A carbon tax uh, just gives the gov- government – the government is in the role of taxing and the private sector figures out um, how to fix the problem. So you just raise the cost of energy um, on a consistent basis. You have a schedule of tax carbon tax increases. Everybody knows that the that the price of carbon and car, we're talking about gasoline. Yes, mm-hmm. this would be a tax on drivers. It would be um, heating fuel. You know all the regular things we use um, uh, oil and gas products for. 
Um, the price, the cost is going to go up because of this tax. It's going to go up incrementally. You publish a schedule so everybody knows uh, when it, the next tax is going into effect and how much more it's going to cost. So, are, so everybody knows this, and um, industry figures out what to do about it. So this creates incentives. So you're going to make a lot of money if you're the if you're the person or the company that figures out uh, the next energy source that's not subject to the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you figure out ways to make things work uh, that don't require carbon energy, uh, you make you make a lot of money. So it just it just creates incentives for it, the it, private it, it, sector. It also fosters innovation, right? Innovation, inventors, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, be the one who solves this problem. You just you basically just create an incentive for the pri- people in the private sector to make a lot of money solving this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you are uh, definitely going to cut back on energy use because when you raise the cost of something, people buy less of it always, almost always, and you're also raising revenue for the government. Um, so um, a carbon tax is uh, probably not a- enough on its own. You probably need to do other things um, because uh, you know we do have to address global warming without a doubt. Um, but this is a way of doing it that um, creates an incentive for the private sector to do what it does best, which is uh, make money solving problems. And there really is no plan like this on the Republican side or within the Trump administration. Uh, I'm trying to, I don't, so, um, car, because carbon, a carbon, so here, the, here's a problem with a carbon tax is you're raising, basically you're raising gasoline prices mm-hmm. and you're raising, um, heating, uh, you're, you're raising people's energy bill because this does have to get passed on to consumers. So you could do things such as so you are raising money. You're in, in fact, you could be raising a lot of money by doing this. You could actually rebate money to people um, by calculating. Uh, I don't know how you would do it, but there are there are theories for how you would do this. So you try to rebate people about what they're paying in carbon taxes. You just kind of give them the money back. Mm-hmm. Now that would not be perfectly fair. There are some people who would end up still end up worse off, and some would probably end up better off. But at least it's a way of trying to make it what's called revenue neutral, so that you're not actually taxing consumers that much. Um, or uh, you use the money that you're raising to address some other problem. So uh, you 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 do you do deal with it that way. So um, it just I I just don't I, I mean you look at the, I've read the Green New Deal. I, it's just a monstrosity. I mean I don't know how any Democrat thinks number one this could ever pass or number two it could ever work. Right, um, but within that very, within that Green Deal, you're saying there's a good idea there. And no, that the, is... the Green New Deal does not include a carbon tax. Oh, okay, amazingly. It doesn't. Huh. So let's talk about who want, who likes this idea. The guy who has talked about this the most, and he hasn't talked about it that much, is Pete Buttigieg. And as who I said, we don't have a Pete doll Buttigieg doll. But that's okay. Um, I think Biden and Warren have said uh, when when they've been asked, mm-hmm. uh, "Would you favor this idea as part of a, an energy transformation plan?" I think they've said yes, they would. But they um, it's they're not it's not something they're really touting. So Buttigieg is really the only one I'm aware of who uh, actually has this as part one of the things he'd want to do. Bernie Sanders says no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why, but uh, he, he he backs the Green New Deal. Okay. Along with AOC, Alexandria yeah, Ocasio-Cortez. Right. All right. Third best Democratic idea, free universal pre-K and preschool. Yep. So Elizabeth Warren <laughs> is the one pushing this. So we've got all the dolls in play today. Um so she, this is one of the things she would fund with her wealth tax. Um, she wants to have universal childcare uh, and universal pre-K. So every uh, every parent 
would have access to um, to childcare and pre-K. Um, there would uh, be. I'm sorry, Bernie. Bernie lost. So, it. Bernie's out. Too long. Too long so she, standing. There. So um, Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to make it literally free for everybody, like wealthy families. You don't aren't going to get free uh, childcare. Um, but she wants to make it. Th there are some programs like this right now, like Head Start is one of them. Sure. But um, basically, she would um, just make it uh, much more extensive. So way more people would have access to it. And um, this is a good, uh, good idea economically. Both of these things are good idea ideas economically. So universal child care, if you just make it easier for uh, working parents with kids to go to work um, and you give them a break on the cost of child care, I mean, this, again, we know tons of people uh, who uh, want to work as parents, and but they're like, one parent says it doesn't pay for me I mean, to get yeah. child care because I, my salary goes right to that right. person or entity, right. so I'm staying home. Right. Um, and, you know, that's fine as a choice. Sure. But if you are a parent who wants to work or needs to work, um, it's good to have you in the economy. I mean, the more working people we have, the more economic growth we have, the more uh, uh, productivity goes up and the more la uh, living standards go up. So this is a way of making it easier for people to work and be uh, productive members of the economy and help the family budget. Now, I don't – I have problems with stuff that's like free for everybody um, because uh, I think you should always have a little skin in the game um, because you – if something's free, you will just um, – there's no limit to how much you will want to consume, right? But if you have to pay for some of it, um, well, there is a limit to how much you would consume because you're bearing part of the cost. So um, this would be expensive. Uh, ch universal child care would cost about $70 billion per year. And she has Elizabeth Warren actually has a bill. Um, that's a lot of money. That's we're not talking Pentagon numbers, but seventy billion is a lot of money. So th at. that would have that money, and that would, would have be to raised all by her wealth tax. Yeah. So I think the we've talked about the wealth tax yeah. before. I think that's implausible. I, I don't think that could pass get through Congress, even uh, if Democrats controlled both houses. So I don't mm -hmm. think the wealth tax is going anywhere. Um, but. Um, Something more modest, you know. I mean, um, do uh, provide uh, help with uh, childcare for more people. Um, have you know good cutoffs, good means testing, um, so that people can work a little more comfortably. That's good for the economy. Uh, universal pre-K is uh, attached, often attached with universal um, childcare. This means um, pre-kindergarten education for three and four-year-olds. And uh, there's a lot of research on this. Um, it improves kids' performance in school. I mean, it is sort when of- When they're the, interacting with others, you mean? Uh, just getting whatever, you know, whatever when they're in the a pre-K pre program, pre program mm -hmm. involves. So you're basically getting started on school. It socializes you towards school. Um, and this is, there's a lot of research that has just shown this has good outcomes all the way through the end of high school. So it, get, it just gives kids literally a head start. I mean, mm -hmm. they, um, they're going to just perform better all the way through school. Um, and one of the biggest, hardest problems we have is uh, poor education, poor school systems, bad education in too many parts of the country. So this would be a way of trying to uh, address that. You know, you focus it on low-income communities, 
Um, just try to raise the standards and raise the performance. And this is probably the best bang for the buck. You, in terms you, you of hit something that really um, that I my ears perked up when you said means testing and how important that is. Right. Because what we're talking about there is there wouldn't be this arbitrary number to say, well, if a household makes seventy five thousand dollars or less, they'd be eligible. Because as we've said many times before on other podcasts, that amount of money is not the same depending on where it is you live in this country. Right. Um, and there are a lot of families who already put their kids in pre-K. So my kids are now in their young, low 20s. They're, they're young adults. But they both went to pre-K. I mean, it wasn't called pre-K. It was called uh, something else. But, um, you know, middle income. Nursery and, school, well, maybe? Yeah. Nursery my school. kids were in pre-K. I have three. Right. We don't call it pre-K at home. But right. yes, it's nursery, nursery school. school. That's I what it is. those days. That's what it is. Yeah. And then sometimes it's daycare that is like a nursery school. Um, but you're just getting you're just getting kids into the system and preparing them better. So enable more people to do that. I mean, this stuff is not cheap. So there's not a limitless amount of resources for it. So you, you just have to have cutoffs. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of all the things we could do to try to improve the education system, which is just a giant failing in the U.S. economy, um, this it provides good bang for the buck. There's a lot of research on that. And, you know, shout out to Elizabeth Warren for making this uh, part of her program. And I don't know. You sorry, have to play she nicer knocked over, with the dolls. She knocked over Joe up. Biden there. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're going to leave it there, Rick Newman. Thank you all for joining us for this podcast this week. Be sure to rate and review what you just heard. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to follow me at Alexis TV News. And you can follow me at Rick J. Newman. Do it. Just be nice. Follow him, but don't troll him. That's not nice. I got enough trolls. All right. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.